This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Public funeral events for Elizabeth II concluded with a service at Windsor Castle, where the Queen was buried in a private ceremony. A state funeral took place on Monday morning at Westminster Abbey, attended by Joe Biden, Emmanuel Macron, and around 500 other foreign dignitaries. The ceremonies, which drew large crowds of mourners, mark the end of 10 days of national mourning. A Russian missile struck a Ukrainian nuclear plant on Monday, landing around 300 meters away from the reactors, according to Ukrainian authorities. The head of Energoatom, the national nuclear energy firm, described the attack on Pivdanokreyansk station in the country's southern Mykolaiv region as, quote, nuclear terrorism. Separately, the Kremlin denied having committed war crimes in the eastern Kharkiv region, where a Ukrainian counteroffensive has uncovered mass graves with bodies carrying evidence of torture. Hurricane Fiona made landfall in the Dominican Republic. Torrential rain and winds of 90 miles per hour triggered mudslides that forced roads and businesses to close in the east of the Caribbean country. Damage to aqueducts has left over one million people without running water. Over the weekend, the storm battered neighboring Puerto Rico, killing several people and cutting off power to 1.3 million residents. The Taliban exchanged Mark Freericks, an American engineer, for Bashir Norzai, an Afghan tribal leader with connections to the terrorist group. Mr. Norzai helped finance the Taliban in the 1990s and was arrested in 2005 for running one of the world's largest drug smuggling operations. Mr. Freericks, who has been working in Afghanistan as a contractor, was abducted by the Taliban in February 2020. Russia and China agreed to carry out more joint military exercises and strengthen their defense cooperation after a meeting between officials on Monday. Yang Jiechu, China's top diplomat, hosted Nikolai Petrushev, the head of Russia's Security Council in southeastern Fujian province. Despite recent disagreements between the two countries over Russia's botched invasion of Ukraine, the Chinese foreign ministry reaffirmed that they, quote, always firmly support each other on issues concerning each other's core interests. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland have banned Russian travelers from crossing their borders as of Monday to press Russia to reverse its invasion of Ukraine. Exceptions include those traveling on humanitarian grounds, dissidents, and family members of EU citizens. Finland, which also shares a border with Russia, has reduced the number of tourist visas to a tenth of its current total, but decided against a ban. Joe Biden told a television interviewer once again that America would defend Taiwan if it were attacked by China. Later, the White House, quote, clarified that its official policy on Taiwan remains one of, quote, strategic ambiguity. China's foreign ministry said it, quote, deplores and firmly opposes the comments. Mr. Biden has annoyed China this way at least three times already. If the first was a flub, the fourth cannot be. And fact of the day, 94 percent, the debt-to-GDP ratio of Egypt. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. World leaders assemble at the UN. A day after one gathering of world leaders in London at Elizabeth II's funeral, another gets underway in New York on Tuesday at the UN General Assembly. 
The leaders' annual debate will resume fully in person after two years of COVID-related disruption. But the war in Ukraine, the energy crisis, and climate-related disasters mean this will hardly be a happy reunion. Joe Biden will address the assembly on Wednesday. In 2019, Donald Trump told the UN that, quote, the future does not belong to globalists. Last year, Mr. Biden reassured fellow leaders that America was, quote, back at the table in international forums. But since then, divisions between the great powers have deepened. Last week, Mr. Biden felt compelled to warn Vladimir Putin against using chemical or nuclear weapons in Ukraine. And the ravages of the pandemic have held back progress in health, education and standards of living for two consecutive years, playing havoc with the UN's agenda, not least its sustainable development goals. Japan keeps cool on inflation. On Tuesday, Japan is set to overshoot its official inflation target for the fifth month in a row. The growth in core consumer prices, which exclude fresh food, is expected to approach 3% year-on-year in August. The Bank of Japan's target is 2%. Yet the central bank reckons demand is still too weak and wage growth too slow to worry excessively about sustained inflation. Haruhiko Kuroda, the governor, has signaled that the bank will maintain its loose monetary stance at its policy meeting later this week. If so, that will leave the BOJ even further out of step with other rich world central banks. Most of them are racing to tighten policy in the face of stubborn high inflation. The growing gap in yields is one reason why the Japanese yen has fallen below 140 per U.S. dollar, its lowest rate in more than two decades. Expect even more of a tumble. Legal Weed Struggles to Turn a Profit Canada legalized recreational marijuana in 2018 in the hope that a thriving cannabis industry would replace drug smuggling gangs. Better quality control and labeling of doses were to make for safer highs. Prices of regulated and unregulated marijuana in Canada are slowly converging. But black market suppliers, who neither pay taxes nor abide by stringent regulations, have retained their edge. Cost remains the single most important factor in choosing a source for most buyers. That is an issue for Aurora Cannabis, one of Canada's largest pot producers, which is expected to report more losses on Tuesday. Since March 2019, the company's share price has tumbled from more than 150 Canadian dollars, or 113 US dollars, to below 2 Canadian dollars. Investors will be inspecting the company's decision last month to buy Bevo Farms, a producer of vegetables and houseplants. And sentiment around legal cannabis will largely depend on regulators. As America's Senate backtracks on a bill to decriminalize cannabis, Germany, with a potential market estimated at $16.6 billion, is mulling legalization. Argentina's economy grows amid woes. On Tuesday, Argentina is expected to report that its economy expanded by more than 6% in the second quarter of the year. The war in Ukraine has pushed up prices for soy and wheat, both of which the country has in bountiful supply. But other woes are abundant in South America's second-largest economy. Annual inflation could reach 100% by the end of the year. The country owes the IMF more than $40 billion but has scarce foreign reserves. In July, Argentina's economy minister resigned, citing political infighting among his superiors. His replacement was sacked three weeks into the job. 
But the latest incumbent, Sergio Massa, has offered more hope since taking over in August. An experienced operator, Mr. Massa promises to reduce the fiscal deficit as agreed with the IMF and to stop the money printing that has fueled inflation. Yet with pressure from some in government to increase welfare spending, Mr. Massa faces a difficult balancing act. Fifty years on, the joy of sex endures. When Alex Comfort first published his famous sex manual in 1972, its success stemmed from its reassuring tone. The joy of sex counseled that there was nothing deviant about desire. At a time when sex was widely considered sinful in the Anglophone world, the joy of sex stood apart for its relaxed, approachable prose and its emphasis on pleasure. Mr. Comfort wanted to do for sex what the joy of cooking had done for food, teach readers about the basics, and provide a, quote, gourmet guide for those seeking further satisfaction. Try bondage, he suggested, a, quote, wild sexual sensation. Though groundbreaking for its time, parts of the book may now seem nauseating. Quote, don't get yourself raped, he advised his female audience. A revised edition has since omitted some offensive references, but the core of the book has endured. Good sex was not possible without love, Mr. Comfort argued, and that meant, quote, mutual tenderness, respect, and consideration. That is still a recipe worth learning. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What in maths is defined as the number of different digits that a system of counting uses to represent numbers? Monday. Atlas, Luna, and Madagascan sunsets are all types of what creature? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Yorgos Seferis. For poetry, there exists neither large countries nor small. Its domain is in the heart of all men. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.